Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Something's brewing. A new partnership with Last Drinks and Buds and Beads. Order your sparkling tea today by visiting budsandbeads.com.au and use the code LASTDRINKS20 for a 20% discount at checkout. It's time for another episode of Last Drinks, a podcast where we have conversations for the sober and the sober curious, hosted by me, Maz Compton, sober since 2015. Hey, hey. Hi. Yes, let's dig in. Let's get another episode of Last Drinks out into the universe, out of my mouth and into people's ear holes. Before we jump in to today's episode, which is with one of the coolest, most chill, and highly ARIA nominated, if that's a thing, Aussie artists. He's a blues muso and he's released nine studio albums. He's a legend. Before we talk to Ash Grunwald, I just wanted to let you guys know that if you uh, have landed on this podcast because you're sober curious or you're early into trying to figure out how you can exist in this big bad world without a drink in your hand and still have fun and still thrive in social environments or still get through a tough day or a long night without alcohol, I have put together with my very good friend, Lindy Cohen, who's a dietitian and nutritionist, a audio guide to help you through that process. We aim to answer every question you will probably have in early sobriety with an episode of a podcast, basically. So we talk you through it, we hold your hand, we give you practical tips, we share our stories of what we did individually and our approach to living without booze in some ways is very different and I think that that's a real benefit to hear that there are different avenues to do it. So it's a guided audio series and you can hear it at myboozebreak.com. The first episode is free, so maybe jump into that and have a listen and see if that's something that you want to dig into and, um, yeah. You can do a quiz as well online to figure out what kind of a drinker you are. There's lots of resources there. And we're also doing live webinars as well. So all the infos on the website, myboozebreak.com, or we have created a closed Facebook group uh, called Booze Break. If you want to have a bit of a, I don't know, a chat in a really safe and uh, closed Facebook group, we've created one that Lindy and I. Um, jump into quite often to answer questions and to have conversations and to share our thoughts. So just wanted to put that out there, that that is a resource that's available to anybody who is keen to take me up on the offer. To today's podcast. So Ash Grunwald, I feel like we 
circled around each other in the music biz when I was kicking around on MTV. He's a blues, a blues muso. I've seen him perform at Blues and Roots festivals and many, many stages over the years. He's fantastic. He's married to Danny Carr who I interviewed on the podcast on the 1st of January this year. So they're a bit of a a sober duo, these two. And together they have a podcast in the community called How I Quit Alcohol, which I can recommend you getting around if you want, again, some, you know, info, some tips, some tools, some guidance, some support. They are just so, they're wonderful, they're passionate, and they're brilliant. They're they're a brilliant duo and they're individually equally excellent humans. And I loved my chat with Ash. So I've heard Danny's side of the story because they quit drinking at the same time as a married couple. So I've heard Danny's side of the story, as have you. And if you haven't, you can go and check out her podcast episode from January 1 this year. But this is Last Drinks with the very talented and very chilled Ash Grumwald. Ash, it is so lovely to have you on the podcast. Um, can you tell me about your last drink? Oh, my last drink was, um, yeah, it was like a um, attempted last hurrah piss up kind of thing with a, an acknowledgement that, you know, we were going to quit for a year after it. Um, but I think it still did from memory, probably involved mid strengths because I was starting to try and I had been drinking them to behave myself a little bit, mm. try to, and then I might have paced it and thought, oh, I'm I'm doing all right. Okay, now I'll just nip off to the pantry and have a shot of something or whatever. Mm. Um, it might have been that kind of vibe. but Sure. Yeah. And do you know, because I'm obviously this is the same date as your lovely wife, Danny Carr's mm-hmm. last drink. Um, so we're talking five years ago. New Year's Eve, that kind of almost arc? six, almost six years ago, six in a month's time. Yowzers! So yeah. for you, I mean, I feel like I know, I know you, I know your music. I feel like at one point in time we were circling around the same music industry peeps, and so it feels like you were living that rock and roll dream, like on the road and like thrashing guitars and with your band. And like, was that kind of your experience of those days, like leading up to this last drink? Was was it all rock and roll? Yeah. And it got a bit more rock and roll as time went on because I started in the root scene. Mm. Well, I started playing blues music around Melbourne. And the blues scene, you know, was like um, I was just this young, sheltered, wide-eyed kind of kid and there was like I ended up playing in like bikey hangouts and <laughs> like like it was that kind of drinking culture. But I wasn't getting slaughtered in those days, but it was already like, okay, this is what it is, you know, mm. like always got to have a drink, always got to have a cigarette and always got to have a joint and always blah, blah, blah. And that was just all part of it. So that was like, say, my apprenticeship. And then, so this is like late 90s, and then the 2000s came around and there was the big Roots explosion, Blues and Roots music, Um, and I hopped aboard that kind of crazy ride. And I was into a lot of things that that scene represented as well, which was like health, Um, like, Mm -hmm. you know. So I had my green tea on my rider and just a six-pack of Coopers to start with. That's how it started. 
Yeah. And um, then as time went on and then I started to get a band and I started to play like, you know, things more like Falls Festival and, you know, it got to be more of a sort of the gigs got bigger and bigger, more festivally and more my age demographic that I was playing to got went way younger mm. and uh, it was just like party town and I was sort of super up for it. And um, the rider went from that green tea and six-pack of Coopers to insanity. Like, uh, oh, well, you know, probably not insanity by standards, but it was like three big bottles of spirits, a slab of beer, and a red and a white wine kind of thing. So and that no for, green tea? The green tea, oh, that may have been on there. Didn't I can't remember if that was on there after you got through that rider. What a rider that is to read, you know, like, oh, <laughs> all of this booze and also some green tea. Oh, and a green tea. <laughs> <laughs> That's my yeah. chaser. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and always along the way there was always um, – you know, I had that theory of detox, retox, detox, retox kind of mm. thing. So I was always trying to do the right thing in between, wake up for a surf, do yoga. I was always trying to make up for it. I, yeah. I actually ate more healthy when I didn't drink than I do now probably because <laughs> <laughs> I was really, you know, a little bit more disciplined. You try to always make up for it. You probably know about that kind of vibe. You, you know. just, you know, I haven't thought of it like that, but I very much can relate to that where I would, you know, working in media for most of my adult life, it was a bit of a detox, retox situation where, you know, during that radio period of time when you're under scrutiny and pressure and survey and results and stuff, you have to show up and do your job and go out and do your job and go to sales meetings and clients things and there's always a drink in your hand. It just comes with the biz. And then I would go and do yoga and surfing retreats in Bali on my holidays by myself because I just needed to get away <laughs> from everyone. Yeah. And I've realized in sobriety, and I've spoken about this a, a fair bit on the podcast, but I've realized that I'm an introvert, which is was very shocking to me to discover. <laughs> it's like, huh? mm. I thought that I was extrovert, but that's why that was such a disconnect for me because I actually was craving solace and solitude and chill and nights in and and I actually just thought that I was an extrovert and I loved doing all of this wild, crazy out-on-the-town business, which I kind of didn't. So Mm. I totally get that. So at what point does detox retox stop working and you, you know, like when did you become sober curious? Because you mentioned leading into that last drink you'd been you know, trying to be good by having mid-strengths and maybe rein it in a little bit. So what spurred that thought pattern? Well, I didn't really care so much about the health side of it, which is so weird because I was health conscious. Mm. And like in every other part of my life, I was health conscious. It's almost like I knew, oh, no, yeah, but drinking, we can't touch that. We'll keep doing that. And, uh, you know, yeah. Um, but for me, the main tipping point or real reason to quit was just like getting too slaughtered um, mm-hmm. and and sort of making a fool of myself or slurring, or, you know, stuff like that. Um, and that was the main thing that I wanted to curtail. So that's why I would have all sorts of deals. Like I used to tour in Canada a lot and play in the snow and I remember oh. doing some hellish tours there where I I'd go, Canada. right, I'm not having a drink over there. And every, you know, it was just so hard. (laughs) 
Um, yeah. But that's the cool thing. Once you um, go for the sobriety thing, for me it was like a relief, like uh, no more like, oh, I'll just not drink on this tour or I'll just not, not I'll try. And the worst of all was trying to moderate like, oh, I'll have four drinks. Mm. Like four drinks for me at a gig just didn't touch the sides. So I'd be yeah. like, yeah, yeah. I'd be like it just doesn't. You'd almost get angry. Like, what's the point in this? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. And it's it's exhausting trying to, as you said, do deals with yourself constantly, and yeah. then most likely let yourself down by yeah. crossing the bound. This is, you know, like that's the blame shame cycle. It's like we we get up with the best of intentions when we're hungover, and we're like, you know yeah. what? I'm not going to drink today because I don't want to feel like crap. And I'm going to go and have a swim and eat a salad. And then you get to 2 p.m. and you're like, I'm only going to have one Corona. And, <laughs> yeah. and like, you know, and then, but then it all goes out the window. And then you're angry. You've let yourself down. You've broken promises to yourself. So then it's just ripped the lid off because who cares? And then you wake up. And that is that vicious cycle that can totally eat you alive. And you don't even realize that you're doing it. And so, I know the freedom that you're talking about. And it's like, if I could bottle that and sell that to people, I yeah, mean, I'd be a billionaire theory. for starters, which would be kind of cool. But <laughs> also, like, aside from the money, um, that freedom is actually what we're talking about. It's not about the alcohol necessarily. It is at the beginning. Hmm. But I think more, the more you go down that road of not drinking, the more you become self-aware and the more you tune into your body and what you need and the clarity that comes mm. and the chill, like it's just, it's freedom. It, it is the definition of mm. freedom in my book and I, I can just hear it when you talk about it. Like mm. I know, I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Um, if anybody wants to break that guilt cycle that really keeps you in that loop, which it's so bad, mm. um, there's one little trick that I had never thought of in the time because I like to take responsibility for my own actions and whatever. Sure. And um, we all think that's, you know, fair enough. And, and you know, people saying, oh, I was pissed and I did this and that. doesn't matter. We, we hate that because, mm -hmm. you know, that's not taking responsibility for your actions. Yeah. But one really good thing that really worked for me as a technique is blame alcohol. I had never yep. thought of doing that. And when mm. I started to blame alcohol, like you think, oh, I was such a drunk idiot last night. I made a fool of myself. Well, you ask yourself, well, could I have done that without alcohol? You're like, well, no, I wouldn't no. be drunk. I can't slur without. I couldn't even slur. Any like it would just be a funny imitation. I wouldn't be, you know, yeah. none of it is possible without a hot alcohol. Mm. So in my own mind, just that thing, and it's almost a relief to go, wow. I've never thought to blame alcohol because alcohol gets the credit sometimes for your good time when you're a drinker and none of the credit for your bad behavior because then you just go beat yourself up and you say, well, some people can control their drink, so it just must be me. Yeah, But it 100%. is the nature of that particular drug Yeah, that once you start drinking it, you know, you have one corona in the hot sun, it leads to another, and after a while it's a drunk person that's making the decision as to whether to have the next one. Mm. So... If you actually go, you know, hang on a minute, you know, you know, you had something to do with this too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It, it really cures you of that cycle because I feel like that guilt cycle is something that you think 
almost like you're doing something good for yourself that you're beating yourself up about it. But actually, it you know, I looked at my life and thought that never worked. Mm. And if it did anything, it would be helpful, but it never worked. So, yeah, I just wanted to mention that, like, actually the the thing of actually blaming alcohol for things that involve alcohol. Yeah, it's such a great point. And I think the reason potentially that we spiral into self-loathing and we become the victim like I'm shit, I can't hold my booze, like I'm I'm the fool, is because we haven't been taught what to do with feelings of shame. Like we just mm. have not, no one, I didn't learn that at school. I learned a whole mm. bunch of stuff at school that I've never used in my adult life. Mm. But nobody told, told me how to manage my emotions or mm. all my hormone levels. Mm. So I think that with, you know, education on and putting language to feelings and emotions is step number one and calling shame for what it is and then actually knowing and having a tool or a strategy on how to process those feelings gets you out of that um, that cycle as well. But I love your idea and I talk about it in my book. The first chapter of my book is called Alcohol is the Problem and it's mm. about, you oh, know, great. it's about naming Alcohol is the problem. Sobriety is the solution. And it's not, you're not the problem. <laughs> yeah. Alcohol in you is the problem. Yeah. Because like, yeah. imagine you without alcohol. Right. Yeah. Is that and the problem? If, yeah. yeah. If you were the problem, you would still be a dickhead without the alcohol in you. Yeah. But yeah. nine Correct. times out of 10, <laughs> yeah. most people don't revert back into that, you know, drunk person when they're sober. Yeah. Um, if you haven't yeah. had a drink. Yeah, if you haven't had a drink and you're drunk, well, you need to go see someone. <laughs> then you need to go to an inpatient program or, yeah. you know, like we can't help you. Yeah. Um, but that is just, it's, it's a great, I'm so glad you circled back to that. Such a cool point. And I think, well, it helps people, right? That's another tool. It's another It's another mm. way that people can look at it and go, oh, maybe if I stop blaming Jerry for buying me shots and actually start blaming the thing that's the thing that changes my brain chemistry and is the actual thing that makes me feel like crap. And then rather than blaming myself, um, in mm. order to spur you to take action, I think that's so, mm. such a, a great one. And the other thing is like, it's not, you know, like uh, I did 20 years of blaming myself. It's not, yeah. it's not as if that worked. Like if yeah. that worked, I'd go for that. Mm. But actually it's not what worked. Like calling it for what it is. Because I was seeing an inaccurate picture because, alcohol gets off scot-free like I said it, it gets all the credit for your good times yeah and and like it's only it it, it is that it is present in some good times mm. but so are a whole lot of other things and if you take all the way away all those other things then it's not much of a good time like if you're just sitting there drinking in a darkened room by yourself it's not a good time either so but no. sometimes as you go along in your life I know it happened for me with that habitual gigging and stuff. It's like alcohol got the credit for my spontaneity on stage and stuff. And actually it was taking that away, but it mm. still got the credit. It's like, oh, no, I have to get a head of steam on before I get on there or, or I won't be able yeah. to play. Mm. You know, and it's like, it's not true at all, dude. You're actually getting kind of slow and sluggish upstairs on stage and you're actually losing your creativity and your spark. Mm. And that was another funny little finding that I never expected. Uh, like I used, I like to muck around on stage and sometimes make up songs and stuff on the on the spot. And I sort of stopped doing it after a while. And I just thought it was because I was getting older and, and now I'm tired and blah blah blah. 
But when I quit drinking, I started doing that spontaneous stuff again. Wow. Because I was like, oh, I'm actually working at the proper speed. <laughs> you know, yes. I've been impeding my creativity mm. in the name of creativity in a way because I thought it was, oh, yeah, this is all, I'm being an artist in it. You know? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people who are looking at their relationship with alcohol and going, oh, God, I, I really want to stop, but they're scared that they're going to lose themselves or they're going to have to change. And mm. what I love about your story is you're still a musician. Like you mm. haven't changed your career. You didn't have mm. to blow up your entire life mm. to to stop drinking. You stopped mm. drinking and then you still get to do what you're great at, what you're talented at, what you enjoy, what you're gifted at. And I'm sure that that has had a, an effect on your writing and your playing ability. Mm. Oh, definitely. It's way more crisp. But the other thing is I'm doing it to people who are drinking. Like most people, yes. when you quit drinking, unless you work in a bar or something or at Dan Murphy's, <laughs> when, when you yeah. quit drinking, you're away from it if you want to be. Yeah. But for me, my first gig when I quit was at a festival. <laughs> Everybody yeah. was partying. Yeah. And, and that was awesome actually for me because I was just like, right, it made me make the distinction straight away like, okay, I'm here. I'm going to party with everyone right now and yeah. I'm not drinking. And it just made me do it naturally straight away. So even like not only does it not annoy me when people drink, early in the night I try and get on stage as early as I can. Yes. And they're just having a couple. Yeah. And they're um and they're sort of firing up and losing all their inhibitions and they start dancing and stuff. I quite like it, you know, because yeah. they're on their journey and whatever. I don't know what they're, you know, they're, they're not. They're not me. Like I know I had I was doing that every night of the week. Mm. I, I don't know what they're doing, and I'm not interested. Whatever floats their boat, kind of sure. thing. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I kind of think in my quitting journey, I was sort of it seemed hard at first to go straight into that 100%. Australian like um, festival season and um, wineries and all that. That's by fire. Like, yeah. it's like. You you stop doing a thing and then you just put yourself in the epicenter of the thing at a festival. Yeah. yeah, and it seemed like a challenge, but it actually was it really was a blessing because it made me um make all those mental adjustments um straight away. And I remember one thing, it was on one of those Aussie rock kind of bills mm. uh that Jimmy Barnes was headlining and um, you know, pretty drinky kind of situation like all all of those acts and uh, and that kind of music is associated that that kind of thing and i remember it was all tense um tents not tents oh <laughs> wait tents. not a row of tents like we're not camping a row of tents. it oh, was, it was a, row a row of tents, tents. not um, tents and, in, uh, in tents. it was it was oh, but everyone tents. was in tents but <laughs> camping ones got it <laughs> yeah and that's uh, those were the band rooms, and somebody came to sort out my rider and you know bring out the thing. And oh yeah, I heard them talking to my sound guy, and they said, "Oh, what does Ash need?" And uh, he said, um, "Oh, Ash doesn't drink." And uh, I was like, "Oh wow!" And just hearing that in third person, and hear them go, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah," and I, it was like, "Wow, it's just not a big deal. No one cares. No one cares. Like, it's not like." He didn't give some explanation. Oh, he's had to stop because blah, 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 blah. No. Oh, he doesn't drink. Oh, yeah, cool. Oh, what does he want? Yeah. Does he want Coke or does he want some water or? Green it's tea. Not a deal. No one gives a fuck. 
you know, yeah. just do your own thing. Yeah. You might have one friend. So anyway, hearing that changed something in me. I, I just was mm. like, oh, I don't drink. And it's not a big deal. And then that, yeah, that made it easier once I heard that. It was just like hearing it through the canvas. I don't know, something about that changed well, everything. Well, maybe it's because because you heard somebody talking about you, that is your identity, right? So when mm. when you, I hear people mm. like, oh, Maz, like, oh, she's so bubbly. She's so fun. She's energetic. Mm. That's what I project. That's part of who I am. Mm. It's what people think about me. And so for you to hear your sound guy go, Ash doesn't drink and not make excuses for you, like it's a bad mm. thing or that he's embarrassed for you. You mm. know, he was like, oh, Ash doesn't drink and like was so casual about it. You hearing that, of course, that's like positive reinforcement. You're like, oh, yeah, I don't drink. And like no one cancelled the festival over it. Like no one no one told me you can't play your guitar tonight. Like it, it isn't a big deal. And I, you know what? It's made me think too that, and I'm not suggesting if I think around this time of year people are like it's New Year's, maybe next year's the year I don't drink. I'm not suggesting that you stop drinking one day and then go to a hen's party the next um, even though I know people that have done that. But there is something for the imaginary scenarios we create in our head when we catastrophize about how intense and full-on and crazy and just like how impossible that first sober event is going to be and everyone's going to be looking at me and I don't know what to do and do it. Like, and when you just get that out of the way, then you don't even have to bother catastrophizing because you knew it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, exactly. And actually, that reminds me, I, there was one thing that um, I used to come on with uh, Danny's How I Quit Alcohol groups and stuff and talk about a few things. And a lot of people gave us the feedback that they liked this little idea that I used to um, give them, which is another like technique kind of thing, mm. the technique of it's easy. it's easy. So like you say, you're going to this hen's night or something and you say to yourself, okay, it, it, it's easy not to have a drink. That's not to say that you won't be triggered mm. or you won't feel like, oh, I used to, or you won't feel like um, when somebody says, oh, I'll go and just have one, you won't feel tempted. But your job is not to not have cravings. Your job is not to not be tempted. Your job is to just not go with some alcohol. And that bit is easy. It's easy. And the other things around it, well, they're to be expected. Like it's to be expected. Like I don't think people should have a craving or feel like a drink and think, oh, no, that means a drink is going to jump up and force itself down my throat. <laughs> like it's okay to have a craving or it's okay to feel like one or it's okay to be in the hot sun and you're like, oh, oh, I've never come up against this. That I used to love a drink at that time and have a little pang. That's fine. Just don't mm. pick up it. The easy bit is that it's easy to just stick to your commitment and just not pick up a drink and drink it. Mm. And um I feel like that using that to self psychologize and um, just use that as a technique, it can be really helpful. And you think, right, I don't have, because it's up, say you make a year commitment, for example, it's up to you how much you suffer that commitment. Yeah. Like, and so I think that like approaching it as if it's easy, even though we know sometimes it's difficult, can actually make it a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. No. I it's such a, that's such a really simple, that's one you can just stick in your tool belt. That's a great little, you just go into a social situation where there's alcohol and you just, it's like a mantra, like this mm. is easy. 
It's easy peasy mm. lemon squeezy. It's just mm. easy. And if you keep, that's the self-talk. Like mm. if you keep telling yourself it's easy, you'll mm. get through those moments mm. that might be challenging or might be triggering or, you know, might come up for you. I love No that. one's going to pour it. The thing is, no. it might, and you can say, I might feel like it. I yeah. might feel like a drink. But it's easy not to go, good, 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 good. that's the mm. bit that's easy, like not the pouring yeah. of it down your throat. 100%. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you, it actually doesn't. Um, and in those early days too, it's also a cool thing that like no matter what happens in your life, you've achieved something today because you didn't drink. You know that it was important for you to stop for whatever reason. So you can say, mm. oh, that's cool. Like um, I achieved something. Like I didn't go lift weights. I didn't. I didn't write a book. I didn't like, you know, do X, Y, and Z. But for me, I just didn't drink today. And actually that's an achievement. So you get to achieve every day too. <laughs> that's a really great way of looking at it. And I think that, you know, all this stuff, I think people curate according to their personality types, like what works for them, yeah, right? Yeah. So I know there's some people that are like, you know, they a, a tally mark every day. Like they're, you know, they calculate. Mm. So they're like every day I do a check on, on a list or a check mm. off a thing. And that helps keep them accountable because you can see mm. how many days you've done. You know, it's like the advent calendar. Oh, my God. But, mm. you know, how many counting down um, mm. or counting up. So that could work. Or, But I love the easy mm. one is really accessible for everybody because everybody's got a brain, we think, yeah. <laughs> uh, that you can use. Um, and if you're not drinking, it's not being rewired to do like silly things. Yeah. It's, it's, it's firing the way it's supposed to fire. And so the more you say a thing, the more that is going to work in your brain. So it's easy, it's easy, it's mm. easy actually mm. then becomes the thing that is easy. And then you'll get mm. to the end of the night and be like, well, that was easy. Mm. <laughs> like, and it's also like, say you've made a choice. You you do choose also your level of suffering. Like mm. uh, that's what I would say to people. Like like don't don't suffer this choice more mm. than you have to. Like. You could choose to suffer it like, oh, I wish I could drink or whatever. And, or you could be like, you know what? I have, I've drunk the drinks. I think, I've, you know, for me, I'd used to think to myself when I felt like a drink, well, you have had a few in your life. <laughs> we know how this is going to end, Ash. Yeah. Like, yeah. come on, buddy. It's not like you're yeah. going to just have a drink all of a sudden and it'll just not affect you, right? Yeah, mm. yeah. And and but also that that feeling of like you're not really missing out because you do like I'd say like well you have had a drink before well what you haven't done is like had a year off so yeah. you know if you stick with that you know it it's you know it works you know there's so many different little things like that I I like your little thing that you said about the tool belt like I think mm. that's the way our mind works so I have these little cues that I I used past tense. Because I just don't, I, I, I sit in my um, band room now with bottles of wine and, and, you know, beers in the fridge and stuff when they haven't taken the rider out from the night before or they've just got it wrong and they just give it to me. And it's just mm. like saying, oh, you know, you know, if, you, if you're vegetarian, you don't look at a steak and say, oh, it's mm. you know, because, oh, no, I don't eat that. Yeah. And it, alcohol became like that for me. And so it's like it's a mellow thing it doesn't have a strong pull yeah you seem like and a pretty I thought mellow I needed guy a drink. Well, I say, yeah I, <laughs> I am mellow but <laughs> I thought I needed that like to give it true context mm. I actually thought that I need I thought 
if if they did if a venue didn't supply a rider, that's probably about the only thing I'd ever get angry mm. about. Like because I thought it was an ethic mm. that this is music. You've got to have a rider. You've got to have drinks. And like if if there was a festival and it was put on by a council or something, I'd be like, these guys they just don't understand music. Like, <laughs> right, we're going to the bottle. This is wrong. <laughs> so. It's for me, like I say, I thought it was an ethic. I thought it was something to do with music. So, Mm. yeah. And then once I stopped, I was like, oh, no, that's not true. It's it's fine. (laughs) Isn't that amazing too how you can hold this strong belief so tightly about yourself or an industry or construct like music? Music and alcohol have to go together. Like that's what you spend most of your adult life thinking, yeah. believing, and making decisions based on. And then one yeah. day you wake up and that's completely changed because you're like, oh, no, actually, nope. <laughs> I can yeah. still be a musician and I can still work in this industry and I can still perform and create and I don't need a drop of alcohol to do it. And, you know, I think sometimes letting go of those strong beliefs, there's a bit of grief involved because it's like for some people, you know, it's like, Oh God, I really like I really hung my hat on that hook for a really, really long time. And then I realized that the hook doesn't even exist. You know, like it's yeah. a it's a huge that's a huge paradigm shift to go from there to there for your story in particular. And sometimes there is a bit of grief involved, I think, for people. But mm. that's okay. Like again, we didn't get taught how to deal with grief, but you just do it a day at a time. And you mm. don't have to drink alcohol to deal with grief because then that's mm. just a whole other issue, right? <laughs> mm. But if you can, um, I remember Danny and I during that time, we studied a little bit of NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. That's fun. And, yeah, yeah. And it's so amazing. And um, just seeing that if you change your beliefs about yourself and your self-concept, then it's way easier to change anything. But that's that's right at the core of of the thing yes and so like if anybody could i don't know if this is possible if you could jump straight to that (laughs) you could quit like that i mean are you but i think sometimes you have to that's why a year is a good time because you make the commitment you just say okay i'm just not going to do it and then you go through all of these different first times of x first time of y all these different first times and then you show to yourself that that's not who you are, who you are as a person. Yeah. Alcohol is a substance and then yeah. you're not having that substance and then you show yourself, oh, that's not me. So you almost have to learn it. But if you just change your self-concept straight away, it, you'd be able to do it just straight away with no problem. But I don't know if that's possible or not. I don't know if it's possible. And, like, for me, I love the journey. So I, yeah. I talk about my sobriety as like this progressive revelation of sobriety. And I, I feel like I'm nine years in now and I feel like year on year I'm still peeling back layers. <laughs> like, I'm mm, still, wow. like I am still getting to the core of my consciousness. I'm, I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm changing, I'm molding, and I'm, I'm there, I'm here for the journey of self-discovery and self-belief. And, and like, I don't know. I love that process. Like I'm so into it. Like it sounds weird. Like I'm so into myself, but like, <laughs> I, well, but like in, in a positive way, because I yeah. want to be the best that I can be. And 
this existed when I was drinking because when mm. I was drinking, it was self-loathing. There was no self-worth. There was imposter syndrome. It was so many complex things that I didn't even realize I was struggling to manage and 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 process properly. And so I just love the idea each year. I just feel I'm like 2024, 20, what layers coming off this year, Maz? Like, mm. where, you know, so that, yeah, but I am, I am super interested in the NLP stuff. I haven't studied it, but um, but I, I love the idea. I feel like I'm probably doing a version of it myself, right? You know, yeah. just like getting to the the core consciousness of, of who you are. Mm. And it, it's... Your beliefs. Yeah. Mm. It's so... It's just a great... Look, we're here for a journey, right? You've got mm. 24 hours in a day. How are you going to spend them? Mm. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's... The, like that NLP stuff, that was just something that we did along the way. Like I've really mm. loved Danny's journey because as she's been learning stuff and then she's been doing stuff with how I quit alcohol or whatever, like I sort of do it with her yeah. along the way and then I I get the psychological benefits yeah. of that for myself and uh, we can bounce things off each other. Um, yeah, so that was really cool. And I would say that when anybody quits alcohol, you can just quit and you can leave a bottle-shaped hole in your life and then – to me, the people who do that will be white knuckling it the whole way and going, yeah. oh, you know, and missing what they had before, mm. those good times that they perceived they had, they had, because they haven't really felt the benefits of quitting. So I think what you should do when you quit to make, if you want to make quitting easier, mm. um, is to get into the self discovery and to. Then you prove to yourself and then and actually learn something, anything at the same time. And then you're seeing how quitting improves something. You know, I say mm. if it's fitness, you oh, wow, yeah. I lost so much weight and I got fit and blah, blah, blah. And so you're proving to yourself the benefits of it. And I, I think and that uh, that's on a spiritual level and just on a physical level or whatever. I love that. And I that. think that's a really good way. Yeah. You know, because it's impossible to be um, stuck in any kind of rut while you're learning. And, yeah. you know, when you were drinking, most people, by the time you quit, you were in a rut. And it, it almost puts you in that rut. So um, it's that's a good a, rut busting that's a, strategy. It's a good rut buster. That I love that idea of um, like always being, and it's kind of a, it's a bit of a like, it's one of the things that I kind of, I guess, have adopted in life of always trying to be teachable, like remaining as a student, you know, and like not necessarily being an expert, but just always being teachable. And I love that you can learn your way through things because you're right. Like when you're learning, there's no, you won't even, it's like it'll just happen on the side, the alcohol stuff. Yes. And like learning is the opposite of stagnation. So, like, mm. that's why it is good. Like, I heard that somebody said that's a saying in Kung Fu, which I know nothing about, but, like, Neither. the beginner's mind. Yes. Yeah, the beginner's mind. You know, just if you if you keep that, and I, I like to keep that in my general life, actually, you know, that, that keeps you alive. You know, nothing's more, nothing's more sort of midlife stagnation-y than not learning. Just doing the same shit that you've always done your whole adult life. But as soon as you start learning new things, it brings a vitality into your life. So, you know, that's, I, I think you're so right about that. I love that. Ash, you've got so many little gems. You just like, <laughs> just keep dropping these little golden nuggets for everybody. 
Um, thank you so much for, for your time. And I'd like to I'll end our conversation with a quote from my favorite Kung Fu movie, which is Kung Fu Panda. Oh, and yes. Kung Fu Panda says, skidoosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, you're still here. Well, let me tell you about Booze Break. Booze Break is an audio series that I created and host with my good friend, Lindy Cohen. You can find out more information by visiting myboozebreak.com. If you want to take a bit of time away from alcohol, we can be your booze break besties. Here's a little sample of what you can expect. And the first episode is free. If you want to listen to it, you can just head to myboozebreak.com. There was a disconnect between what I was feeling and the life that I had. This is just about that better relationship with alcohol. Felt like I looked through a new lens. We are your guides helping you get this transformation because you really deserve that. We've got a go-to guide on how to do it and we're going to deliver it all to you guys through this audio series. An experiment for yourself. I'm happier than ever, so much better Hello and welcome to your booze break. My name is Maz Compton. I'm a radio host and a podcaster and I haven't had a drink since 2015. (laughs) That's a long time, Maz. It's a really long time, Lindy. (laughs) I'm Lindy Cohen. I'm a dietitian, I'm a nutritionist and it hasn't been that long for me without booze. It's just been a few months, really, six months post having a baby and I am loving it. And I, you know, I want that little high for you guys as well. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to help you have a healthier relationship with alcohol for whatever that looks like for wherever you're at. So whether you have a couple of glasses a week or a couple of bottles a night, we're not here to judge you. We're just here to help you get to a place in your life where alcohol isn't controlling you. And we don't need you to say, I'm never drinking again, whether it's forever or for just right now. This is just about that better relationship with alcohol. So you feel more in control and it doesn't feel like alcohol is controlling you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 